Today on this edition of the Heartland Community Church Podcast, Digital Campus Pastor Trevor McDonald continues the series for anyone and everyone. Hey, we are in week three of this For Anyone and Everyone series, and it has been absolutely incredible so far. If you've yet to see week one and week two, go back and watch those, and this one may make a whole lot more sense. But today, I want to talk about this idea of being others-focused, and there's this famous story right in the middle of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is asked this question by this expert in the law, okay, this guy knows his stuff. He says, hey, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus does something so so crazy, and I think this is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't really answer him. He just says, hey, what do you think it says? How would you interpret it? Then the guy's like, well, uh, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he says, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because he's an expert in the law, these are two very key uh, phrases within the law, right? It's the Shema found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he quotes in Leviticus to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, good job. You nailed it. You know, A plus. But then the guy basically kind of continues. He could have just been like, well, thanks. That was awesome. But then he's asked Jesus to justify himself. Well, who then is my neighbor? Like, I asked the question, how do I inherit eternal life? And you said, you nailed it, good job, A+, plus, A1, 100%, you killed it. Yet, I wanna know, how would you define who my neighbor is? And then Jesus shares a story. You might know it, it's found in Luke chapter 10, right? And he gives a story about the Good Samaritan. And I'm gonna kind of paraphrase this, and then I'll pull some different thoughts out of it, and hopefully we can apply some of it to our lives today. He says this, he says, well, there's this man who was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho on this road, and then a bunch of robbers took him, robbed him, beat him, stripped him naked, and left him there half dead. I can imagine, like, the guy's kind of like, where the heck is he going with the story? And then he says, and just so happens, a priest is also walking on the road and sees this half dead man and walked around him. Okay, and then it says, A Levite came and also saw the man and then kept on walking down the road. And then it says a Samaritan man came up to this man who was beaten and bruised and naked and dying. And he stops and he gets down. He checks out his condition. And and Jesus is telling the story and he says he he takes his wounds and he pours oil and wine on them and then he bandages them up and then he puts them on his, his, his own animal and he brings them to this inn and then he stays with them for the night and then he pays the innkeeper and says, hey, if there's anything over this cost, I'll take care of it on my way back through town. And then Jesus just simply says, so who do you think is the neighbor? Is it the priest? Is it the Levite? Or is it the Samaritan? And, and you can just imagine this, this man who's an expert in the law has to kind of say, well, seems kind of like a no-brainer. It must be the Samaritan, the one who stopped and took care of this broken and bruised, dying man, the one who paused his life, checked on this man and stayed with him to make sure he was fully recovered. That would be the man who actually was being a neighbor. Years and years and years ago, I went skiing for the very first time. Now, before I finish this quick story, um, it was the last time 
I went skiing. I was like 11 or 12 years old and I went with a bunch of friends to Cascade Mountain in Wisconsin. I've never gone skiing and, uh, and a few of my friends, they've gone before. So I'm kind of like, well, great. You guys can kind of teach me the slopes, teach me how to do this. Well, when you get there, you have to you know, get measured for your boots and then they give you these long skis and you have to make sure they fit your feet and you have to kind of practice getting up and all these different things. Well, a couple of my friends, they knew how to do it. So I'm kind of like looking at them and we're good. And then we were ready to hit the slopes. We're ready to get on the hills. And uh, the quick pause, the ski lift, by the way, if you've been skiing and you're like a professional, you're awesome. I, I can't do it. Getting on the ski lift alone is frightening. Like think about it. You're up there and then you're like hundreds of feet in the air looking down like this could be it. One little jump or one little, you know, what if I move and it tips me over and I'm, I'm, you know, then I'm never going skiing again. But then you have to get off the ski lift. I remember kind of like, you have to like kind of hop. This is the most embarrassing part because you look really dumb doing it. At least this is what I remember being when I was 12. You kind of like hop off, then you have to like kind of catch yourself skiing to like where the top of the hill is before you get to, you know, the go to go down the hill. I remember getting off and I kind of like just kept moving and moving and I've nailed like this snow wall and that's how I used, you know, learn to stop because I, again, never been skiing before. Finally, we get on this hill. It's called the Bunny Hill. If you know anything about skiing, this is the hill where all the rookies go to kind of like check it out, see if they can get to know what they're doing. There's a bunch of like children there, you know, like eight and I'm 12, maybe I'm still a child, so whatever. And I remember like going down this hill, nailed it. Now all my friends want to go to the next hill. So we get to the next hill. And now we go on the ski lift. Still frightening, scary thing. Never doing it again. Get to like the novice hill or like the second tier, whatever it would be. And now this hill has like, has like these weird snow tunnels that you can like go through, which that's frightening. And then there's like these things called moguls, which is like these little bumps on the hill. And if you hit those, you kind of like shake when you're going down. Well, I'm the last one out of like four or five of my, my guy friends and they're in front of us and I have to impress all the others. There's some girls with us too, so I kind of have to look cool and pretend I know what I'm doing. So I'm like, oh, we got this. Let's go to this hill. We're going to crush it. This is awesome. But I'm in, the, I'm in last and they're all going and I see like a couple of my friends start shaking. Their skis going up and down, but they, they survive it. Then it's my turn and I nail these little mogul things. I go flying. Skis go off, head over heels. I'm in the snow and then all my friends keep zipping down the hill and I'm like, I just start yelling like, guys, I'm alone. One of my friends, he, he, he was the good skier. He stopped, he did the, like the little ski stop thing and he looks up the hill at me. And he just kind of like throws his hand in the air and I'm like, Ryan, what do I do? And he's like, well, come on down. So I get my skis back on and I ski down to him. But again, I don't know how to ski. For the next like two or three hours, Ryan stayed with me the entire time on the bunny hill. Like I couldn't advance. I, I, I didn't want to do it. I, would, that, I was that frightened to do it. And Ryan was a really actually good skier for his age. And I felt really bad, I guess, afterwards. I'm like, well, shoot, you could have hit the good hills, yet you stayed with me the entire time. I think about that when I look at this story, what it means to like pause your life, stop everything. You have an idea of what you want to do, and yet here's somebody who is in desperate need of a neighbor, desperate need of some help, and stops it all just for you, just for this man. And this is the teaching that Jesus is giving this expert in the law. And I'm going to break down this story. When Jesus basically says, hey, there's this road that this man was walking from Jerusalem down to Jericho, this would have inferred that this actually already took place. 
the expert in the law would have known this. He, he would have understood that like, he, he seems to be teaching something that has already happened. And even more, he could have been even inferring that this man would have known who it happened to. And now, now this road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, we think about road oftentimes we're like, oh, you know, like the streets, you know, making sure like it, it lets me pass over to the street when the, you know, when the little thing says go and you can walk across the street. This is really easy. So we understand that like, oh, that's just your normal road. Well, let me clarify. This road from Jerusalem down to Jericho was rough gravel terrain. And at points on this road, it would have been like three feet of space as you're walking. And on one side, it was this big, huge mountain. And on the other side, it was this humongous cliff into a valley. So when we see this story and we see that a priest saw a, a, a man naked and beat up and bruised dying, it wasn't that he just kind of went to the other side of the street. He would have been so intentional with how to walk around this man to completely avoid touching this man. Then the Levite would have, done, would have had done the exact same thing. Now we understand this from a priest standpoint because we see this in Leviticus 21, the priest's law in Leviticus talks about you can't touch a dead body. And yet, this is what's interesting. It tells us that a priest is unable to touch a dead body because that'll make him un, unclean. And then it says this, a priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die except, verse two, for a close relative. Then it continues with the story. And I think about this story in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is answering a really, really interesting question. Who then is my neighbor? And he goes to these three different people. And we already know at the end of the story, right? We're gonna get there here in a minute, that the Samaritan was actually the good neighbor. Yet he brings up a priest there's a reason why he would have avoided this dead man because that would have made the priest what? Unclean, I can't touch a dead body. And yet it says, if it's a close relative, you can. You could almost say Jesus is distinguishing a very sharp contrast with the misinterpretation of what was actually written in the law that this priest should have stopped. Why? Because your neighbor is actually your family. The priest should have stopped. And he starts with the priest, then the Levite, and then a Samaritan. But what does the, the Samaritan do? We get to the point of the story where the Samaritan stops. He stops his whole life for this broken and bruised and dying naked man on this tiny little road. And he risks it all right there on this rough terrain stops his life. Now, we would know that Hebrews and Samaritans, they don't really hang out. In fact, you could even go and stretch it and say they actually hate each other. And yet, Jesus highlights the Samaritan man stopping. And what does it say? He had compassion on him, that he knelt down, looks him eye to eye, examines his condition to make sure he takes care of every single wound, every single cut, every single bruise, and then takes him, carries him, pays for him for, for him to get healthy and well. And that is what Jesus says is the one acting like a neighbor. And I love it at the end of the story, we said it earlier that Jesus basically asks, he says, hey, so what do you think? And Jesus does this often in the gospel narrative. He says, hey, what, do you, what would you say? 
He says, what do you think? Who would be the neighbor? And it's so interesting that the expert in law almost would have to like utter the words, you got me, it must be the Samaritan. He stopped everything. See, the priest had to like avoid this dying man Almost to the point, because again, remember the road is like three feet wide at points. Like he would have done everything to avoid them. It's kind of like when my kids make a mess and I come downstairs, I'm like, hey guys, this is a mess. Did you guys not see it? And they're like, oh, we didn't see it. How would you not see it? There's trash everywhere. This is kind of like with the priest. How would you not see this dead, dying body on the road down to Jericho? You couldn't even avoid the fact that you saw it. And Jesus says, now it's a Samaritan that's being the neighbor, the one who stops and pauses everything. So I think about this when it comes to our life, when it comes to how we are to be others-focused and others-centered and, and looking at the teachings of Jesus. So what would we do when it comes to this? And Jesus says something to the man when he finally answers, it'd be the Samaritan. He says, well, then do this. Go and do the same. Go and do likewise. Luke 10, 37, you go and you go do. So in our lives, here's the challenge that we have, right? We begin to ask ourselves, how can I be a neighbor? Go and give love, reciprocate love freely, give mercy freely, regardless of religious beliefs towards others, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of color, regardless of what they actually believe, their profession or their opinions, whatever it takes, be a neighbor. I don't care if it's someone you hate, someone you agree with. This is what Jesus is saying to you and to me. So what would it look like? What would it look like if you and I, instead of looking at Jesus and saying, hey, who's the neighbor? But asking ourselves today, right now, right there in the chat, who can I be a neighbor to? Right now in your life, who can I be a neighbor to? Who can I not avoid? Who can I give mercy freely? Nothing in return. Who can I be a neighbor to? Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this story. Thank you that you highlight so many different things in this story in Luke chapter 10 where we can kind of just say, oh, teach us. We, we miss this all the time. The truth is I, I act very much like the priest. I act very much like the Levite. I would like to say I live really well and I love my neighbors, but the truth is I don't love them well like I think you want us to. And I just pray that, God, everyone listening and watching and in the chat right now would just begin to reflect and say, man, I wonder who I can be a neighbor to. I wonder who I can take Jesus' word serious. Give mercy freely, give love freely, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their background, regardless of what they even have done to me. What if I just loved like this? Thank you for this word and thank you that God, even for you, you are for anyone and everyone. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to part three of For Anyone and Everyone with Trevor McDonald. You can watch the online version of the message by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.